we know the story. There was a, uh, a little boy there. He had a little lunch, not much, right? Small, it was a little. He had five loaves of bread, two small fish. Jesus, he, he took them. But notice what happened in verse 11. This is the how. This is where this miracle took place. This is how a little becomes a lot. He took the loaves, and when he had began to cry, when he began to cry out to God and say, Oh God, don't you see what a need we have? Don't you see the starving people, God? Don't you see how hungry they are? Don't you see the need? God, tell me, don't you see the need? And he began to cry out to God. And he began to plead with God. And he began to beg, God Almighty, we know you are able. We know it's you, oh God. Is this what's happening? Not this day, but is it happening in the church? Is it happening throughout the world? All day, everywhere. People are begging God, God, don't you see? God, don't you see the size of the need? God, don't you see how, how much we don't have? God, can't you see we can't meet the need? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. But here's the thing. God doesn't speak beggar. When you and I beg, we're begging in a language he doesn't understand. We're talking in a language he doesn't speak. He doesn't speak that language. He speaks faith. And if two people are ever going to get anything done, then they are at some point going to have to learn to speak the same language. And we're fun, funny as English speaking people. I've noticed this before, my own tendencies. I've seen people do it. Maybe you're in another country, a Spanish speaking country, and you're looking for something. You can't find where you're headed and you stop somebody. Please, can, can you tell me how to get to the hotel? Oh, uh, no, no habla inglés. Can you please tell me how to get to the hotel? And we've got it in our heads that talking louder is what's going to help them understand. Oh, I'm sorry. Now I get it. You shouted. So now I understand. No. And yet we have found out when we're not getting a response to our begging, what's, what's been our inclination? Beg louder. This is not a language our God speaks. He speaks faith. What did Jesus do? How? How did he turn such a little thing into so much? We don't even have any recorded words. All we know is that they handed it to him and he gave thanks. There's your how. He gave thanks. Now this miracle is one of the few that are recorded in every gospel. Listen to it from some of the others. From Matthew's gospel, this same account, chapter 14, verse 19 in the New Living Translation, I'll have it up here for you. It says, Jesus told the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish and looked up. Somebody say, look up. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. Mark's account of this, chapter 6, verse 41. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. 
Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples they could distribute to the people. Luke's account of this, chapter 9, verse 16. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up. Say it again, looked up. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. And he broke the loaves into two pieces, and he began to distribute it's not until you get to John's account that we just read that we found out not only what Jesus did in blessing, but how he blessed it. He blessed by giving thanks. Now listen to what it means to bless. You still with me? Yes. To bless means to celebrate with praise, to speak well of. It also means to think, to thank. It means to cause to prosper. This is what the word bless means. If you're awake this morning, this will change the way you pray over lunch. The book of Genesis tells us in chapter 1, verse 28, this is the first thing human ears ever heard. It says, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the power of the blessing. The blessing has multiplying power in it. And all we know that Jesus did with the five loaves and the two fish is that he blessed it. He celebrated it with praise. He spoke well of it. He gave thanks for it. And in doing that, he put multiplying power in it. How do you take a little and turn it into a lot? You get thankful for it. You bless it. And blessing, part of blessing, is speaking well of. But do you notice? Did you notice what was in connection to that blessing every time? Where he looked. It's where he looked. He was not looking at this little supply and, and speaking in response to what he was looking at in a little supply. Where did he look? He looked up. Sometimes you got to take your eyes off what little you have. And you got to look up. And then what do you do? You start blessing it. You start speaking well of it. You start thanking God for it. And as you do that, you put multiplication power in whatever little you have. Little bin of flour, little jar of oil, few bucks in your wallet, couple of bucks in the account. Don't be looking at the account if there's just a little in there. Where do you need to be looking? Look up. Look up. And what do you start doing? Oh, Lord, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I bless you and I bless this account in Jesus' name. And you start speaking well of it. This is what it means to bless. This is how Jesus turned a little into a lot. If you got a hold of this, it would change the way you think. It would change the way you talk about money, about what you've got, about what you need. Because it would set a guard over your mouth. And you would stop doing all this cursing. You'd stop doing all this speaking ill and you'd start speaking well. There was not a lot there to speak well of. Five loaves and two fish. It takes a lot of faith to thank God for something so little. 
But you know what? Anybody, any unsaved, not filled with the Holy Ghost person, just, just walking the streets, anybody can be thankful for what they have been given, for what they see. Anybody can be thankful for what's there. It takes a spiritual person. It takes a person of faith to give thanks for what they don't yet see. It takes a person of faith to give thanks for what they don't yet have. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's not staring down at this little supply. He's looking up and blessing and thanking and putting blessing power, that multiplication power on it. How did Jesus do it? How did he turn a little into a lot? Well, he's God and he can do that. <clears throat> Wrong answer. He did it and we've got the same power. If you can be thankful, you can turn a little into a lot. Thankful for not just what you see, but thankful for what you don't yet see. But I want you right now, in the few minutes we have here, go back and look at these two disciples that Jesus involved in this whole miracle and look at their mentality, listen to their responses and, and see if you identify with any of this because this, like I said, is a, mental, a mentality that's pervasive in the body of Christ even today. Back up into chapter six where it says, Jesus lifted his eyes, verse five, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? Where's the bread gonna come from? that these may eat. Again, it's Jesus' idea to feed the people. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. This he said to test him. Is Jesus testing Philip here? Yes, says he is. Is it possible that he'd still test you or me today? Yeah, he is, he would, he does. But I want you to make special note here of the form that this test comes in. Actually make note of the form that this test does not come in. He's not testing Philip with sickness. He's not testing Philip with tragedy. He's not testing Philip with loss of a loved one. He's not testing Philip with poverty. Why am I saying this? Because this is all the junk people have made up to say this is what God will test you with. No, he'll test you, but it doesn't have anything to do with this. He tested him with a question. He tested him with a statement, with a word. And the test was this, Philip, where's it going to come from? I want to feed him. Where's it going to come from? This he said to test him. Now, let me just give you a heads up. I know it sounds like cheating. It's not. It's an open book test. What the answer is to the, to the question, anytime and every time Jesus tests you with the question, you know what the answer is? Faith. That's what he's looking for. Every time, faith. And if faith was what he was looking for that day, guess what he's looking for today? Same stuff, same thing. He's just looking for faith. That's why Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? I'm looking for faith. It's precious, it's rare, it's not everywhere. But when he tests you, and the question specifically when it has to do with your provision and your supply and your prosperity, and the question is, hey, where's it gonna come from? What's he looking for? He's looking for some faith out of you. Even if you can't point to some natural place where it could possibly come from, what do you do? Come on, were you here like six minutes ago? 
Where are you supposed to be looking? Look up. The answer is look up. And even if the only thing you know to say is, is coming from you, Jesus, I have no idea how. I have no idea when. I have no idea, but I do know where. It's coming from you. Say it out loud. It's coming from you, Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Look up. But what did Philip do? Let's look at his answer and see if we can find any faith in it. Spoiler alert, not much. This he said to test him, but Philip answered and said, this is interesting, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. That's kind of a specific amount of money, isn't it? When you couple this with the other accounts, it stands to reason this is what they had on hand. Now, a denarii is a day's wages. And so they've got 200 days wages on hand. That's a chunk of change. I mean, take whatever you make a year, divide it by 365, find out what that is a day, multiply that by 200, and that's what's in their pocket. And that's why he said specifically that amount. Look at some of the other places in the scriptures. He said, do you want us to go buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Why would he say that? That's what we got. But this is a wrong mentality. When you are facing particularly what looks to be an impossible situation, what you don't do, are you listening to me? What you don't do first is look to yourself. This is what will keep what you have a little. And it will never turn into a lot. If you just look only to what you've got, only to what you are able to do. Jesus said, where is it going to come from? And what did he do immediately? He looked to himself, looked to his own ability to supply. And we've learned this in the ministry. Let me tell you something, man. We have learned this, and I have actually come to the place where I find great comfort in God telling us to do stuff there's no way we could do. I have found so much comfort in him saying, hey, do this, and we have nowhere near the money to do it. Why do I find comfort in that? That tells me I'm hearing from him. This is one of the big ways you know that you're hearing from God because you aren't making up impossible stuff. None of us are. None of us are making up things to put ourselves in situations where we can't meet the need and we can't provide, but he has no qualms whatsoever about facing you with something so big, so expensive, so expansive that you have to trust him. I've come to the place in the ministry. I love it. I love it. You think we had a, all the money we needed to move to Colorado and buy a big building on a bunch of land? <laughs> no. No, but instead of looking at what we had, we looked up. Okay, you're my provider. You're my source. You're my supply. My faith is in you. You've got to look up. If you look only to what you have, only your own strength, only your own ability, it'll keep what you have small. Let me read this scripture to you from the book of Jeremiah. He said in chapter 17, verse 5, thus says the Lord, cursed. That's not good. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh 
his strength. Now that would include you trusting somebody else. That would include you trusting government, trusting institutions, trusting uh, trusting um, in your own education, trusting in your own ex- experience, trusting in your own credit score, trusting in the bank. That would include you putting confidence and trust in any man. But it would also and most dangerously include you trusting you. Are you man? Are you flesh? Yeah. And he's saying the result of trusting yourself is the curse. Cursed is this person whose heart departs from the Lord. He'll be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but will inhabit parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But listen to the flip side of this. Blessed. Anybody interested in this? Blessed. Who? Who's blessed? Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord whose hope is the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. The cross reference there says he won't even see it, but his leaf will be green. He'll not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So you've got, you've got a cursed person and you've got a blessed person. And the difference is one trusts themselves one trust God. And the biggest thing, the most, I don't know the right way to say it, the scariest thing, if you will, about living a cursed life, you know what he said there? He doesn't even see when good comes. How could that be possible? How could good be right in front of you and you don't even see it? Huh? You're just looking in the wrong direction. Thanksgiving is the result of what you're looking at. But so many people don't ever see good, and it's not because good isn't there. It's because it's standing right in front of them, but they're always looking somewhere else, always looking at what's not right, always looking at what's gone wrong, and yet good is right in front of them. Where you got to look if you want to find good? Come on, where you got to look if you want to find? You got to look up. You got to look up. Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to get this bread? He immediately looked to himself and he said, we don't even have enough to, to buy everyone a little. Now look at what happened. Here's another disciple that chimes in. Verse eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Listen to this though. But what are they among so many? That's the mentality that so much of the body of Christ is suffering from when it comes to prospering. It's what's keeping people small. It's what takes away God's ability to take what little they have, turn it into a lot. Something good has come. Five loaves, two small fish. Here's something good. Does he see it as something good? No. What does he do? He says, yeah, we got something, but what is this? What are they among so many? You know what he did? He called it nothing. He said, this is nothing. And this is what you will do. If the only thing you ever do is look at what you have in the light of what you need, then you're going to look at what you have and you're going to call it nothing. Do you know that right now, there are people with $10 million in the account and they call it nothing. 
Why? Because they need 100 million. That's hard for some of us to imagine. It's hard for us to imagine having that much and yet calling it nothing. Why would somebody do that? They would do that if all they ever do is look at what they have in the light of what they need. Help me out. Is Andrew being thankful? Is he thanking God? Is he speaking well of these five barley loaves and two fish? No, he's calling it nothing. How would you feel if you were, or, or your child, this is about a little boy. What if your child, who's down the hall in our children's ministry, he comes and says, Mommy, I, I want to give my, my $5 that I have at home. I want to give it to, to, to the church, and, and I want to sow it into the church. And you say, Wow, baby. Okay, wonderful. Well, we'll take that. How would you feel if you and your little child brought that to one of our staff members, and our staff member looked at it and was like, Are you kidding me? We need $1,000 a day for 365 days. What's five bucks? Uh, this is what happened. This is what happened in Jesus' own ministry. A little boy brought an offering, but instead of speaking well of it, he called it nothing. But can I give you a big revelation today? You ready for this? Something is not nothing. Oh, wow. Somebody ought to shout amen for that. I'll say it again. Something is not nothing. So don't call it nothing. Don't think of it as nothing. Don't treat it like it's nothing. Well, what do you do instead? You bless it. You bless it. You speak well of it. If you realize that that same blessing power to multiply that's in the mouth of God is in your mouth, It'll change the way you look at stuff. It'll change the way you talk about stuff. Man, this got all over me early this morning. I was standing looking in the mirror doing my hair, and I started blessing every hair on my head. Yeah. Turning another year older not too long ago, I'm blessing these hairs. I'm blessing, I'm blessing this body from the top of this head to the soles of this feet. I call this body blessed. I call Hair, you listen to me. You multiply. You go this way, not that way. I bless every one of those hairs on my head. And, and if you're, you know, beginning to run out, you better start blessing now. You better start thanking God now. It will change the way you talk about things. It'll change the way you talk about this body. When something's not right with it, stop cursing it. Stop talking about what's wrong with it. Find something that works good and start thanking God for it. Oh, that little toe. There is no pain in that toe right there. Thank you, Lord. That little toe right there. Oh, it is totally pain-free. Look at that. I can dance on that thing all day long. This is how you get healed. This is how you prosper in your body. How do you prosper financially? You take whatever's in that bin of flour. You take whatever's in that little jar of oil, and you start blessing it. You start thanking God for it. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even have this. You have provided for me. And you start thanking him, not just for what's there, but for what's coming. This is a person of faith. This is a spiritual person. Amen? How do you turn a little into a lot? How does a little become a lot? By giving thanks and speaking well of what you have. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. 
From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.